Thank you for ministering in music. And in light of the message of the song, my question would be, will you? That is, will you go to be with the Lord? So we interact with a portion of Mark this morning. I'd like to share two situations that are real or could be real to life. Al Ashton is planning his garden next spring. He buys two pounds of sweet corn to plant. He puts one half in the garden in rows. Or one half pound in the garden in rows. One half pound he throws in the yard or the grass. Another half pound he throws in the sidewalk. And the final half pound he throws in the driveway. I was telling you about how he has planted his corn. How would you respond? Irene Yeager is planting flowers next spring. She purchases 80 marigolds. 20 she plants in the beds around her house. The next 20 she takes out of the pots and throws them on the grass, knowing that when Rich mows, he will mow over them. The next 20 she takes out of the pots and places them on the driveway, along the side of the driveway, but nevertheless on the pavement. The final 20 she brings down to church and places them on the stone wall, but removes them from the pot first. She is telling you about how she has planted marigolds. How would you respond to her? Think about those two accounts as we read together. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Mark 4 and verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seen, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others 
like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. As we think about Mark chapter 4, we read 1 through 20, but we'll be commenting on 1 through 34, we find that Jesus is teaching the crowds through parables. And 1 through 9, he's talking to the crowds. And then in verses 30 or 10 through 34, he's instructing the 12 and apparently some people that were close to him. We have insiders, we have outsiders. Verses 1 through 9, he's talking to everybody, including the outsiders. When you get to verses 10 through 34, he's giving instruction concerning the 12. And 10 through 20, he gives an explanation of the parable of the sower. Some fell on good soil, some fell along the path, and so on. He gives instruction through a lamp, and that builds upon the parable of the sower. He gives the parable of the growing seed that builds upon the parable of the sower. He gives the parable of the mustard seed and that builds upon the parable of the sower. The sower and the parable of the sower is critical to the twelve and I think critical to us today as we live and minister in a world that sometimes is not very responsive to God. Again, I emphasize the lamp, the growing seed and the mustard seed all add to or giving further explanation concerning the parable of the sower. We find that Jesus, in verse 1 says, again, Jesus began to teach. Jesus had a pattern of teaching. If you look at chapter 1, 21, chapter 1, 39, chapter 2, verses 2 and 13, Jesus taught over and over again. And we find that the teaching in chapter 4, 1 through 34, apparently takes place on the same day as verses 20 through 34 of chapter 3. And we remember that it's been somewhat of an emotional day for Jesus. First of all, in chapter 3, his family came to him, his mother and brothers came to him and said, he's crazy, he's going out of his mind, we're going to take him home. And then the teachers of the law came from Jerusalem and they said he's possessed by Beelzebub. He's driving out demons. And they're by the prince of demons. And Jesus responds to them and shares a parable with them. And then he responds and says, Who are my mother and my brothers? Whoever does God's will are my brothers, are my brother, my sister, and my mother. And then he's by the sea, the Sea of Galilee, teaching in parables. There's a large crowd present, so very large that he got into a boat. 
And as you look through the book of Mark, you find that large crowds seem to be characteristic of his ministry. Chapter 1 and verse 33, the whole town gathered at the door, probably the door of Peter's house. In verse 45, we find, instead he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed out in lonely places. In chapter 2, we find he, again, he's in a home, and they couldn't get in to bring a crippled man to Jesus. We find the 12 are also present with Jesus. Because in verse 10, it says, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. You know, they wanted some explanation. The 12 are in training. Jesus is training them to teach, to preach, and to cast out demons. Jesus obviously is also present. And you have heard me say many times as we read through the Gospel of Mark that it presents Jesus and who he is. And I emphasize that over and over again because Mark emphasizes it over and over again. Jesus is unique. He's the Son of God. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit. He's sensitive to God's Spirit and was sensitive to God's Spirit as he ministers. He's able to resist Satan because he cast out demons. The identity of Jesus is critical to the gospel of Mark. His being, his character, his expressed in words and actions, he proclaimed the good news of God. He taught with authority. He quieted and cast out an evil spirit. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. He prayed, talked to his father. He preached in the synagogue and he drove out demons. He healed a man with leprosy. He healed a paralytic. He called Levi a tax collector, a despised man to follow him. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. He taught concerning fasting. He taught concerning the Sabbath. He called 12 men to be with him and to drive out demons. He taught concerning blaspheme of the Holy Spirit. And he defined a new family. The identity of Jesus and his action is critical to the gospel of Mark. I think it is critical as Mark writes to the believers in Rome, seeking to encourage them. They're being persecuted for their faith. And they read, you know, Jesus is unique, the Son of God. He's sensitive to the Spirit of God. He heals and so on. It would have encouraged them. But stop and think about the day and age in which we live. Whether we follow Christ long term is basically dependent upon our conviction that he is who he claims to be in his being, in his character, in his identity, and in his words and actions. I'm sure all of us here could think about people who have made a profession of faith, like some of the seed that is in this parable. And they fall by the wayside. That a lot goes back to Jesus and who they believe he is.
your student, you're sitting in school, and the teacher is elaborating on the fact that <clears throat> the world evolved and explaining how the world evolved. And after class, you're talking to a, another student about that class. How you respond to that student, if you respond to that student, talking about the fact that God is creator, Christ is creator, probably will depend upon who you believe Jesus to be. Because if we don't believe Jesus and who he is, then we back away. We're intimidated. Or you're talking to a coworker about our country and some things that may be good, some that may be bad. Are you free to bring up the issue of God in that discussion? The issue of Christ? Because you're convinced that he is who he claimed to be. The identity, the character, the being of Jesus is so critical. We find that Jesus here is teaching by the lake. James Edwards says, and I quote, but the crowd also provides Jesus an opportunity for teaching. Exactly where Jesus taught cannot be said for sure, but a possible location is a natural amphitheater situated halfway between Capernaum and Tabha. To the south, the land slopes gently down to a lovely bay. Israeli scientists have verified that the Bay of Parables can transmit a human voice effortlessly to several thousand people on shore. End of quote. Again, I find it interesting that Jesus is ministering to people in a natural setting. They came to him, yes, but in a natural setting. And what is he doing? The text clearly says he began to teach by the lake. Teaching involves direct admonition, admonishing in a public setting. And how's he teaching? By parables. The Gospels record some 60 parables of Jesus, most of them being found in Matthew and Luke, a few being found in Mark, none being found in the Gospel of John. A parable simply means to lay alongside. Taking a, telling a story to lay, aside, lay it alongside the kingdom of God to teach to instruct. The parables include fishing and farming, housekeeping and family life, royalty and banquets. And parables seem to have a purpose to instruct the insiders, but to hide something from the outsiders. It's interesting also in this passage that parables are in the context of opposition. In chapter 3, we find that Jesus shared a parable. Chapter 3 and verse 23 says, So Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan and so on? That was when he's being accused of driving out demons 
by demons, by the prince of Beelzebub. In the account of the sower, what do we find? The seed is sown, and if you look at the four types of soil, only one type of soil produces a crop. The other three types don't. There's opposition. A lot of Jesus' ministry was in opposition. And he says in verse 3, listen. And then he says in verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus wants someone to understand, to take in, to mentally accept what is taking place. But it's in the context of opposition. Now think about your life, your ministry. You should expect opposition. That's life. We'll come at more on that as we go along next week. Notice the parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And keep in mind that farming that day was much different than today. If you want to get a little bit of an idea of what farming was like, look at the Amish. You know, with their horses and so on. But you need to go even back beyond that. Many times soil would be loosened, you know, with a, some type of plow behind an ox. And when you sowed seed, you didn't get out your big tractor. You get out your bag and you broadcast seed. I do that in my garden sometimes, you know, broadcast seed. You know, you pull some out of the bag and you broadcast it. And that's what the farmer is doing here. He's scattering the seed. And some fell along the path. Our sidewalk, if you please. Irene's driveway, if you please. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Now here he is, he's throwing his seed out. This is good seed. Pathway, rocky places, thorns. Still others fell in the good ground or good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Now note some observations concerning this parable. Much of the seed appears to be wasted. That is, it falls on various soils that produce no results. See, Al planted three-fourths of his corn knowing it wasn't going to get any results. Irene planted her marigolds apparently knowing it wasn't going to get any results. The farmer here is planning 
And of the four soils, three do not produce. And the key issue is they don't produce any crop. There are four types of soil, but only one type of soil produces any grain. Birds, sun, thorns are factors in much of the seed not being productive. Some fell in good soil and was productive, but again, even that which produced a crop, it produced in various amounts. The unproductive soil is mentioned first. Jesus is talking about sowing. Jesus, if you go back to when he speaks of why he came, he came to sow. He came to speak. He claimed, or he came rather, to share seed. He's talking about sowing. And the application is going to be to himself. Now notice in verse 10, when he was alone, the audience has changed now. When he was alone, the 12 and others around him ask about the parables. I want you to notice the audience has changed. He's dealing with what we might call insiders. He says in verse 11, he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. Apparently, they raised some questions concerning parables. Jesus spoke, apparently, numerous parables. And Jesus responds to their questions. And notice his response. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. Why? So that they may be ever seen, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Jesus intentionally, apparently, is sharing a parable that says, I'm sowing seed, seed is being sown on certain types of soil, knowing that they will not understand, they will not grasp. I'm sowing in other types of soil, and people are going to hear, and there is going to be a harvest. He says, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. There are insiders. There are outsiders. And notice verse 12. To those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seen, but never perceiving. Ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn 
and be forgiven. Then in verse 13, he says to them, to the 12 and those that were close to him, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? If the 12 did not get this parable, they won't get the other parables that Jesus shares. This is critical to their ministry. This is critical to their going out and preaching, to their casting out demons. They're not going to understand the lamp on a stand. They're not going to understand the parable of the growing seed, the parable of the mustard seed. They're not going to grasp what ministry is like if they don't grasp this parable. Think of, look at verse 10. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those in the outside, everything is said in parables. What is the secret to the kingdom of God? What is the secret of the kingdom of God that had been given to the twelve? Why did Jesus want some people to hear and understand and others he did not want to understand? Why did Jesus want some people to be ever hearing but never to understand? Why did Jesus want some people to be ever seeing but never perceiving? The text says, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. What is Jesus sharing with the twelve that they need in terms of ministry as they're going to be sharing the seed of Christ? I want you to ponder those questions by next week. Why would Jesus hide himself from some people? How does that influence the 12? As they're going out and they're ministering, they share the seed, they share Christ. And most of the seed falls along the path, the rocky place, or among thorns. Why was it critical for them to grasp that? Why waste seed in planting? I grew up on a farm. You buy corn. Seed corn is expensive. You buy wheat. It is expensive. If dad was buying alfalfa seed, it's expensive. Dad gets done planting, and I say, hey, Dad, I saw you stop a couple times and reach into the bin that you're pulling behind, the drill you're pulling behind the tractor or the corn planter, and grab some corn and throw it into the stone row. And I saw you stop, and I saw you throw some into <clears throat> what we call the lane. What were you doing, Dad? Planting seed. But, Dad, that's not going to be productive. Son, I was planting seed. You know that's not going to produce. I know, but I'm teaching a lesson.
Jesus is saying some very strong stuff here. I'm sharing this parable so that you on the inside can understand what those on the outside may be ever seen but never perceive, ever hearing but never understand. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. The 12 needed to grasp this, and we'll explain that next week. Jesus is preparing his 12 for ministry. A waste from our perspective, but no, it's life. Let's pray together. Fathers, we've interacted briefly with Mark chapter 4. I recognize that we may have raised more questions than we have answered, and that's okay. Jesus many times raised questions and didn't always give answers, wanted people to think. But in light of what we did discuss, may we be challenged to stop and consider that Jesus ministered to people where they were. And he's sharing a parable or parables to train the twelve for ministry as they would go forth. And he shares concerning that which is real to life, farming. As we will discuss next week, but may we be encouraged even like what we discussed this morning to sow seed. And not to be so concerned on what type of soil it falls, but to sow seed, knowing that some of the seed we share concerning Christ will not produce a harvest. Others will. But that is not our responsibility. May we be sought, light, and ambassadors in our places of work, in our homes, in our schools, and so on, for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.